This episode is brought to you by Audible. Get your free audiobook download by visiting audiblepodcast.com slash best. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with a show today that is being re-podcast on the anniversary of Barack Obama's inauguration. The show was originally posted just days after his electoral win in November 2008.
corporate work. It's what allows us to pursue our individual dreams and yet still come together as one American family. E pluribus unum, out of many, one. Now, even as we speak, there are those who are preparing to divide us. The spin masters, the negative ad peddlers, who embrace the politics of anything goes. Well, I say to them tonight, there is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. The pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states. Red states for Republicans, blue states for Democrats. But I've got news for them too. We worship an awesome God in the blue states and we don't like federal agents poking around in our libraries in the red states. We coach Little League in the blue states. And yes, we've got some gay friends in the red states. Patriots who opposed the war in Iraq and their patriots who supported the war in Iraq. We are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the Stars and Stripes, all of us defending the United States of America. In the end, in the end, in the end, that's what this election is about. Do we participate in a politics of cynicism or do we participate in a politics of hope? One voice can change a room. And if one voice can change a room, then it can change a city. And if it can change a city, it can change a state. And if it can change a state, it can change a nation, and if it can change a nation, it can change the world. Your voice can change the world. Join me at this moment in history and welcome Barack Obama. You came here because you believe in what this country can be. In the face of war, you believe there can be peace. In the face of despair, you believe there can be hope. In the face of a politics that shut you out, that's told you to settle, that's divided us for too long, you believe that we can be one people, reaching out for what's possible, building that more perfect union. That's the journey we're on today. It was here in Springfield where North, South, East, and West come together that I was reminded of the essential decency of the American people, where I came to believe that through this decency, we can build a more hopeful America. And that is why, in the shadow of the old state capitol, where Lincoln once called on a house divided to stand together where common hopes and common dreams still live, I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for President of the United States of America.
nothing worthwhile in this country has ever happened, except somebody somewhere was willing to hope. was founded by a group of patriots declaring independence against the mighty British Empire. Nobody gave them a chance. This country's judgment has been clouded sometimes by fear and division. We've been made to be afraid of each other, afraid of immigrants, afraid of gays, afraid of people who don't look like us. I know how hard change is. We are going to remake this country block by block neighborhood by neighborhood, state by state. This is our moment. This is our time. And you and I together, we will transform this country and we will transform the world. Thank you. God bless you. election isn't going to be about changing parties. It's going to be about living for every other American. That's what gives me hope. I don't want a nation just for me. I want a nation for everybody. away and not feel hope and not feel that glimmer of light again. I don't think I was ever this interested in, in uh, the voting process. It's the first time I've ever felt compelled to be part of a movement such as this. I'm going to get them back involved in this process. The grassroots level first and then let it go. That's going to make me happy. ourselves. The campaign helps us. They're there to help us, but we're organizing ourselves. It is the relationships that we have with one another that is our strength. I think for a long time I had given up that, that we could work together to make change in this country. I've been involved in politics, I've seen politicians, uh, but this is different. Ladies and gentlemen, this is no ordinary time, this is no ordinary election, and this may be our last chance to reclaim the America we love. We are one people, we are one nation, and together we will begin the next great chapter in the American story with words that will ring from coast to coast, from sea to shining sea. Yes, we can.
It was a creed written into the founding documents that declared the destiny of a nation. Yes, we can. It was whispered by slaves and abolitionists as they blazed the trail toward freedom. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It was sung by immigrants as they struck out to the distant shore of pioneers who pushed westward
in order to form a more perfect union. 221 years ago, a group of men gathered and with these simple words launched America's improbable experiment in democracy. Farmers and scholars, statesmen, patriots who traveled across the ocean to escape tyranny and persecution finally made real their declaration of independence. The document they produced was eventually signed, but ultimately unfinished. It was stained by this nation's original sin of slavery. A question that divided the colonies and brought the convention to a stalemate until the founders chose to allow the slave trade to continue, to leave any final resolution the future generations. Of course, the answer to the slavery question was already embedded within our Constitution. A Constitution that had at its very core the ideal of equal citizenship under the law. A Constitution that promised its people liberty and justice. And yet words on a parchment would not be enough to deliver slaves from bondage provide men and women of every color and creed their full rights and obligations as citizens of the United States. What would be needed were Americans and successive generations who are willing to do their part through protests and struggles on the streets and in the courts through a civil war and civil disobedience, and always at great risk, to narrow that gap between the promise of our ideals and the reality of their time. I have asserted a firm conviction, a conviction rooted in my faith in God and my faith in the American people, that working together, we can move beyond some of our old racial wounds, and that in fact, we have no choice. We have no choice if we are to continue on the path of a more perfect union. For the African-American community, that path means embracing the burdens of our past without becoming victims of our past. It means continuing to insist on a full measure of justice in every aspect of American life. But it also means binding our particular grievances for better health care, better schools, and better jobs to the larger aspirations of all Americans. The white woman struggling to break the glass ceiling. The white man who's been laid off. The immigrant trying to feed his family. And it means also taking full responsibility for our own lives by demanding more from our fathers and spending more time with our children and teaching them that while they may face challenges and discrimination in their own lives, they must never succumb to despair or cynicism. They must always believe that they can write their own destiny. What we know, what we have seen, is that America can change. That is the true genius of this nation. What we have already achieved gives us hope, the audacity to hope for what we can and must achieve tomorrow. This union may never be perfect, but generation after generation has shown that it can always be perfected. And today, whenever I find myself feeling doubtful or cynical about this possibility, what gives me the most hope is the next generation. The young people whose attitudes and beliefs 
and openness to change have already made history in this election. In the end, then, what is called for is nothing more and nothing less than what all the world's great religions demand, that we do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Let us be our brother's keeper. Let us be our sister's keeper. Let us find that common stake we all have in one another. And let our politics reflect that spirit as well. We can change the world. I would like to see um, a cleaner earth for my child that I'm bringing into the world very soon. I think it's time for change. I want a better future for my children. I would like our environment to be safe. This is our America. My America. My America. Your America. I would like to see us in a world without fear. Basically, um, I just want the war to end. I would like the rest of the world to think highly of our amazing country. I think the thing that inspires me most about Barack Obama is that he really is going to be the president of the United States. You know, he's not going to be the president of the top 10% or the president of the most powerful corporations or the president of the most powerful lobbyists. He's going to be our president. He's going to speak for us because we put him there. Obama. That's what Obama about. Unity to this country and changing America's face to the world. Obama. 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 This is my America. Your America. Our America. Na, 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 na. He stands for not just black people, but all people. And uh, he's almost like a revival for a lot of people's souls. I believe in Barack Obama because he believes in us. We are the ones we've been waiting for. America, something is stirring. What the naysayers don't understand is that this election has never been about me. It's about you. It's about you. 
18 long months, you have stood up one by one and said enough to the politics of the past. You understand that in this election, the greatest risk we can take is to try the same old politics with the same old players and expect a different result. You have shown what history teaches us, that at defining moments like this one, the change we need doesn't come from Washington, change comes to Washington. Change happens because the American people demand it, because they rise up and insist on new ideas and new leadership, a new politics for a new time. America, we cannot turn back, not with so much work to be done, not with so many children to educate and so many veterans to care for, not with an economy to fix and cities to rebuild and farms to save, not with so many families to protect and so many lives to mend. America, we cannot turn back. We cannot walk alone. At this moment, in this election, we must pledge once more to march into the future. Let us keep that promise, that American promise, and in the words of scripture, hold firmly, without wavering, to the hope that we confess. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. so many of my countrymen have come before. Although tonight I speak to you not as a candidate for president, but as a citizen. A proud citizen of the United States and a fellow citizen of the world. I know that I don't look like the Americans who've previously spoken in this great city. This city of all cities knows the dream of freedom and you know that the only reason we stand here tonight is because men and women from both of our nations came together to work and struggle and sacrifice for that better life ours is a partnership that truly began 60 years ago this summer on the day when the first american plane touched down at temple hall on that day, much of this continent still lay in ruin. The rubble of this city had yet to be built into a wall. The Soviet shadow had swept across Eastern Europe, while in the West, America, Britain, and France took their stock of their losses and pondered how the world might be remade. This is where the two sides met. And on the 24th of June, 1948, the communists chose to blockade the western part of the city. They cut off food and supplies to more than two million Germans in an effort to extinguish the last flame of freedom in Berlin. The size of our forces was no match for the larger Soviet army. And yet retreat would have allowed communism to march across Europe, where the last war had ended 
another world war could have easily begun. And all that stood in the way was Berlin. And that's when, that's when the airlift began, when the largest and most unlikely rescue in the history brought food and hope to the people of the city. And on one fall day, hundreds of thousands of Berliners came here to the Tiergarten and heard the city's mayor implore the world not to give up on freedom. There is only one possibility, he said, for us to stand together, united, until this battle is won. The people of Berlin have spoken. We have done our duty, he said, and we will keep on doing our duty. People of the world, now do your duty. People of the world, look at Berlin. Look at Berlin, where Germans and Americans learned to work together and trust each other less than three years after facing each other on the field of battle. Look at Berlin, where the determination of a people met the generosity of the Marshall Plan and created a German miracle, where a victory over tyranny gave rise to NATO, the greatest alliance ever formed to defend our common security. Look at Berlin, where the bullet holes in the buildings and the somber stones and pillars near the Brandenburg Gate insist that we never forget our common humanity. People of the world, look at Berlin, where a wall came down, a continent came together, and history proved that there is no challenge too great for a world that stands as one. I know that for more than two centuries, we have strived at great cost and great sacrifice to form a more perfect union, to seek with other nations a more hopeful world. Our allegiance has never been to any particular tribe or kingdom. Indeed, every language is spoken in our country. Every culture has left its imprint on ours. Every point of view is expressed in our public squares. What has always united us, what has always driven our people, what drew my father to America's shores is a set of ideals that speak to aspirations shared by all people. That we can live free from fear and free from want. That we can speak our minds and assemble with whomever we choose and worship as we please. These are the aspirations that join the fates of all nations in this city. These aspirations are bigger than anything that drives us apart. It's because of these aspirations that the airlift began. It's because of these aspirations that all three people, everywhere, became citizens of Berlin. It is in pursuit. It is in pursuit of these aspirations that a new generation, our generation, must make our mark on the world. People of Berlin and people of the world, the scale of our challenge is great. The road ahead will be long. But I come before you to say that we are heirs to a struggle for freedom. We are a people of improbable hope, with an eye towards the future, with resolve in our heart. Let us remember this history and answer our destiny and remake the world once again. Thank you, Berlin. God bless you.
We began this journey in the depths of winter nearly two years ago on the steps of the old state capitol in Springfield, Illinois. I knew that the size of our challenges had outgrown the smallness of our politics. I believed that Democrats and Republicans and Americans of every political stripe were hungry for new ideas and new leadership and a new kind of politics. 21 months later, we've come so far, we've come so close because of you. That's why we cannot afford to slow down or sit back. We cannot let up for one day or one minute or one second in this last week. Not now, not when there's so much at stake. I ask of you what's been asked of Americans throughout our history. I ask you to believe, not just in my ability to bring about change, but in yours. I know this change is possible because I've seen it. I've seen it over the last 21 months. I've had the privilege to witness what is best in America. I've seen it in the lines of voters that stretched around schools and churches, in the young people who cast their ballots for the very first time, and those not-so-young folks who got involved again after a very long time. I've seen it in the faces of the men and women I've met at countless rallies and town halls across the country. Men and women who speak of their struggles, but also of their hopes, of their dreams. Hope, what led those who couldn't vote to march and organize and stand for freedom, that led them to cry out, it may look dark tonight, but if I hold on to hope, tomorrow will be brighter. That's what this election's about. That's the choice we face right now. Don't believe for a second this election's over. Don't think for a minute that power concedes. We have a lot of work to do. We have to work like our future depends on it in this last week, because it does depend on it this week. We can choose hope over fear and unity over division, the promise of change over the power of the status quo. We can come together as one nation and one people and once more choose our better history. That's what at stake. That's what we're fighting for. And if in this last week you'll knock on some doors for me and make some calls for me and talk to your neighbors and convince your friends, if you'll stand with me and fight with me and give me your vote, then I promise you we will win this general election and together we'll change this country and we will change the world. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. Let's get to work. children that anything is possible no matter who you are what color you are if you want to be you can be the president of the United States and be a world leader not only does he share all my values but he's the first african-american president the US has had it's just the best of the best I, my name is Hussein my first name is Hussein I'm from East Africa and I love America for doing this. Oh my God. Thank you, America. So Thank you, America. Did you see? He is one. 
days that my grandmother did day's work, and when my great-grandfather was, um, when the KKK came in in 1954, they took him from his house, and my great-grandmother didn't know where he was going. All of that means something. Everything that they fought for, the rights for me to go to school, the rights for me to vote, the rights for me to go to college, it means that it's not just possible for me, but for my son and for the world, for the world. of the bus and told to sit behind the wood and you just don't know what this means. Okay. I, I worked so hard to see a day like this. It means that the little man has finally got a chance to participate in the, you know, the political process. That's what it means for me. And the, ultimately it means that God has a victory. Just like he brought the children of Israel out of uh, bondage in Egypt. Now he's bringing the little man out of bondage. This is our moment. This is our time to put our people back to work and open doors of opportunity for our kids. To restore prosperity and promote the cause of peace to reclaim the American dream and reaffirm that fundamental truth that out of many, we are one. That was, of course, President-elect Barack Obama speaking in Chicago last night. This election has been heralded as an historic moment for the nation, but it is a transcendent event for the leaders of the civil rights movement who fought for African Americans to win basic rights and respect in this country. Reverend Jackson, I, I hope it doesn't embarrass you, but we were all watching the coverage last night and we all saw tears in your eyes. Why the tears? Well, on the one hand, I saw President Barack Obama standing there looking so majestic and I knew the people in the villages of Kenya and Haiti and mansions in, in palaces in Europe and China were all watching this young African-American male uh, assuming the leadership to take our nation out of a pit to a higher place. And then I thought about who was not there. As I mentioned, Medgar Evers, the, the husband of Sister Murley, and Serena Goodman and Cheney, two Jews and a black killed in Philadelphia, Mississippi, and Jim Lee Jackson, who are the the martyrs and the murder whose blood made last night possible. I could not help but think this was their night. And if I had one wish, if Medgar or if Dr. King had just been there for a second in time, would have made my heart uh, rejoice. And so it was kind of the, the dual thought of his ascendancy and leadership and the price that was paid to get him there. Change has come to America. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, who still wonders if the dream of our founders is alive in our time, who still questions the power of our democracy, tonight is your answer. Change has come to America. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. 
kept running. Songs of freedom kept humming. Channeling Harriet Tubman, Kennedy, Lincoln, and King. We gotta manifest that dream. It feels like I'm swimming upstream. It feels like I'm stuck in between. A rock and a hard place. We've been through the heartaches and lived through the darkest days. If you and I made it this far, well, hey, hey, we can make it all the And they said, no, we can't. And we said, yes, we can. Remember, it's you and me together. moment, it's been a long time praying, praying for this moment, we hope for this moment, and now that we own it, for life I'ma hold it, and I won't let it go, this is our fathers, our brothers, our friends who fought for freedom, our sisters, our mothers, who died for us to be in this moment, stop and cherish this moment, stop and cherish this time. around schools and churches in numbers this nation has never seen, by people who waited three hours and four hours, many for the first time in their lives, because they believed that this time must be different, that their voices could be that different. Americans who sent a message to the world that we have never been just a collection of individuals or a collection of red states and blue states. We are and always will be the United States of America. Audible supports this program, and it's a great fit because I've used them for years. As a member of Generation Y and an avid consumer of audio, I've all but lost the ability to read, so I depend on Audible for nearly all of my pleasure reading via their huge selection of audiobooks, periodicals, and so much more. For listeners of Best of the Left, they are offering a free audiobook download of your choice. Simply visit audiblepodcast.com best. You may have heard similar promotions discussed on other podcasts, so make no mistake, this is a popularity contest. Forsake the other programs you like and support this tiny, independently produced show by using my special URL, audiblepodcast.com 
slash best. Thanks for listening, everybody. I certainly hope you enjoyed this uh, re-podcast edition of the show. This episode was originally posted on November 16th, 2008, and it was the first episode posted after Barack Obama was elected early in that month. I'm reposting it today because today, January 20th, uh, 2010, obviously, is the one-year anniversary of Barack Obama's inauguration. So it seemed fitting to mark the occasion in some way and take a little bit of a look back and use this episode as kind of a jumping off point to ask a question and hopefully start a bit of a conversation. As I'm sure you're well aware, the last year has been disappointing in a lot of ways for strong progressives, and I don't need to go into detail about all of that. On the other hand, especially listening to having heard this show, it's, it's blatantly obvious we didn't make the wrong choice a year ago. You know, we, we did the best we could. And so where does that leave us? I, and I have a couple of thoughts on it. I'd love to hear from you guys. And I, I really want to encourage you to leave comments on the blog post of this show so that, you know, if you send the emails to me, that's great and I'll read it. But I'd really like for you to post in such a way that other people can hear what you have to say as well and interact with each other. In essence, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on these kind of parallel ideas of on one hand, we clearly made the right choice and things are so much better now than they were a year ago. Things are so much better now than they would have been had we elected McCain. You know, it, just as a, for instance, things aren't going all that great in the healthcare debate, but we wouldn't be having a healthcare debate if things had gone differently. So as bad as things are, it could be so much worse. And we all know that to be true based on the last eight years. And then on the other hand, we're always in this position of being disappointed. And I, I, I truly think that that is just one of the occupational hazards of being a liberal or a progressive. You always take any victory we have, set it aside and say, okay, that, that's good for now, but now let's go for more. Let's always make things better. Let's always focus on the negative. Let's always focus on what's going wrong so that we can fix it and make it better. So my reaction is is basically that I feel kind of stuck in the middle. I, I feel like you can, you're always going to be pushing for making things better, and you're always going to be disappointed because things are never going to become perfect, and you're always going to be left wanting more. So I've kind of just accepted that as a reality, and it's made my life a lot less stressful to, <laughs> to feel like I have an understanding that yeah, things aren't going to be perfect and we're always just going to push to make things better and we're never going to be done pushing. So when things go really well, we'll be excited and then keep asking for more. And when things go really badly, then we'll point out, well, this is going really badly and needs to go a lot better. So in any case, it feels like kind of a tricky situation. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. I, I, you know, I listen to the shows I listen to and I only hear you know, a few voices really, and don't, don't get a lot of response from just regular individuals who don't have their own shows. So I obviously hear that there's a lot of disappointment in some of the things that are going on, but I also think it's great to take a step back every once in a while, get a little bit of perspective about how things could have been, how things used to be, 
and how when you get way down in the weeds, how bad it seems like things are going, and yet how much better they are now than they used to be. So like I say, go to uh, bestofleft.com and in the show notes of this episode, just click on the post that's titled Morning in America and then go to the comment section at the bottom, say what you have to say, read what other people have to say, and I'll be excited to hear from you. Now, before I go, I just want to thank a couple of members, of course. So Rick T, who signed up on August 3rd, and Kathy R, who signed up for a full year membership, thanks, Kathy, uh, signed up on October 18th. So huge thanks to both of them, and of course, all of the members who keep the show going. I simply can't say enough times that the show would look almost nothing like what it does without the support of the members. Now, of course, if you're interested in supporting the show, the number one thing you can do is just tell all of your friends about it. Everything else you can do to support the show is listed conveniently on the website in the support the show box on the right side of the screen. If you're interested in helping the show at all, just to keep it going, check out that box and all the details are there. You can stay connected to the show between the episodes, of course, by signing up with us at Twitter and Facebook. And finally, if you're wondering uh, about any of the music or the sources used in any of the shows, those are always going to be listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway and border yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast delivered to you every Wednesday and every weekend. Thanks to the members and donors from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you wanna meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Will take you out any open door This is not my life just a fond farewell to a friend It's not what I'm like It's just a fond farewell to a friend Hi, my name is Mike. Could I have your ears for a real short rant? This message is totally unsolicited. In fact, the only way you could be hearing my message right now is because Jay heard this very same recording and gave me a little space. So, thanks, Jay. Hey, talk about penny-pinching in this economy. I've whittled down a normal middle-class existence to my current bare-bones income, and I do it on early Social Security retirement. That's 25% less than regular Social Security. $5 is a lot of money to me, but I consider it important enough to give those to Jay every month to further his great program, the twice-weekly Best of the Left podcast. So if you could possibly squeeze a subscription into your budget, do it. Hey, if I can come up with a fiver every month, I think most people can. And if you can't, keep listening, do those free things that Jay asks you to do, and then subscribe when you can. Thanks.